Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. How was everyone's full-blood moon lunar eclipse? Mine was cloudy, didn't see it at all, but the energy was there. It was very... It was chaotic, it was exciting. I don't know, I had a nice time. And I have to say, if the feedback I got from last week's episode is any indication... A lot of people spent it severing the hell out of some unwanted bonds. I was not prepared to hear from so many witches after that episode, but I'm glad that it did seem to give some folks the little goose they may have needed to enforce their boundaries. We spoke about cord cutting and reversal magic last week, if you haven't listened to that episode. Um, This is not work that we take lightly. This can be agony coming to the conclusion that a relationship needs to be redefined in such a stark way. But if you've done this work, I'm really proud of you for asserting your power and rebuilding the terms of these relationships, and in some cases, ending them all together. That's serious work. That's brave work. And I'm really proud of anyone who's had to make that kind of difficult decision and perform that very difficult work. Well done. You know, it's not about revenge or retribution. It's simply about taking responsibility for what your relationships look like and not allowing others to dictate those terms for you. What a gift to give yourself. And kind of along those same lines, we will be talking about dealing with energy vampires next week. Uh, It's the week before American Thanksgiving. Um, It's also well before Yule, Christmas, and New Year's Eve. Um, I just think it's important to protect ourselves from those kinds of people. So it's just good to make ourselves more aware of what to watch out for and how to protect ourselves as we spend the next couple months in close proximity to people who maybe sap our energies and our peace. You know, we're going to have to go to family get-togethers. We're going to have to go to work parties. And we just need to be aware and in charge of our energies. Now, this past week, I had a question from a witch who is going to be dealing with an issue that um, God, many of us probably can relate to with the imminent holiday season. Uh, She writes, the holidays are coming and I have a daughter that I love, but no one, not even me, can stand to be around. She constantly picks fights with her other siblings. She has been to counseling, but it didn't help. Is there something magical I can do to keep the peace this holiday and maybe help her in her own life? Um, Well, I mean, who among us hasn't had this experience to one degree or another? Um, And it's difficult, especially when it's a loved one, you know, to try and figure out that balance. How do we spend time with this difficult person who we dearly love, but not sort of inflict this person on everybody else? So in the spirit of the season, we will work some magic for keeping the peace during the holidays. Um, And first of all, if you're going to be cooking anything at all, you are in a position to include ingredients in the foods that will support your intentions for patience and for love. Consider what you're going to be baking for the holidays and add herbs like basil, marjoram, sage, 
cinnamon, vanilla, you know, anywhere it may be appropriate in whatever recipe or into whatever food uh, that might be an appropriate addition. Um, Those are very peace-inducing herbs. And it's also a good idea to light some white candles as well, maybe on the dinner table or just around as decor. And if you'd like to carve intentions right into the wax, that's a really great idea. Um, If you like, you can also burn incense before people arrive to sort of clear that energy. But if that's going to be too smelly or too smoky for your guests, you can also create an infused room spray to spritz around the house before people arrive. So, you know, get a jar of water and then add herbs like sage, rue, rosemary, and lavender. These are very peaceful herbs. Let everything steep overnight and then in the morning, strain the herbs out and put that water in a spray bottle. Now, obviously, you can't control your daughter's behavior and you can't control how the rest of your family reacts to her behavior, especially if she's trying to provoke people. But you can consecrate your home before everyone arrives and just create an atmosphere of understanding and of happiness and you'll be ahead of the game. And now today we're going to explore broom magic. And this is one of those things that we may not we may not even think too deeply about because of just how ubiquitous brooms are in the iconography of witchcraft. It's like the black cat or you know the pointy hat. You know, we don't generally give it too much attention, but much like the black cats and the pointy hats, there are good reasons why witches are and have been historically associated with brooms. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, the specific original association of witches with brooms isn't really known. We do know that there are a few accounts of accused witches confessing that they would use the devil's magic to fly on their brooms to orgies and other, you know, illicit, ungodly activities. Although it must be said, these confessions were always made after these poor people had sustained brutal torture. Um, And historians suspect that because brooms were associated with women, and because broom handles were very phallic, that it just wasn't a very difficult leap for, you know, sexually frustrated misogynists to imagine these evil, lusty women riding around on their brooms. Now, there were some accounts of witches concocting flying ointments. These would have been salves or balms that would have been absorbed through the skin and used to induce hallucinations or just to get high. Now, folks back in the day did in fact create these kinds of ointments and they did use them, but witch hunters were just so certain that witches were using these balms to help them communicate with demons. You know, these accused witches were said to rub these ointments onto their broomsticks so that they could apply the ointments vaginally. Look, I'm telling you, these uptight, repressed, puritanical witch hunters were probably just jealous they didn't get invited to the lesbian broomstick witch orgy. That's probably all it came down to. But at any rate, the association between witches and brooms was made. And there is so much imagery of witches riding their brooms that it doesn't really even matter anymore at this point where the connection came from. The 
point is that by like the 1300s, that link was well established. And here we are. But the broom has been reclaimed by the witch community. And now the broom or the besom is used both symbolically and literally in magic and witchcraft. The purpose of a broom is to sweep things away. You know, this is how my God-fearing Pentecostal grandma uses her broom, and this is how I use my broom. But when I sweep the floor, I'm not just getting rid of dust and dog hair like my grandma. I'm also getting rid of old energy. There are a lot of different brooms that a witch might use. Of course, there's the household broom, which, even as a mundane tool, is very powerful and useful. You know, there's um, the old tradition, maybe you've heard of, uh, never bring an old broom into a new home because it's thought that you would be bringing old mess into a fresh new environment, which would be not good, right? So, you know, here's a tip. Giving a broom as a housewarming gift is very on-brand for witches. Some witches keep small mini-besoms on their altars, and these are strictly magical brooms. If we are going to initiate new spell work, um, if we're just cleaning and reorganizing the altar, then giving the space a good sweeping with that ritual broom is going to help prepare the space and also the witch for clearing out the energetic remains of old spells and then making room for new, fresh, intentional energy. And you may use to dec- um, you might decorate your altar broom with like flowers, ribbons, um, little bells, charms, crystals, which is whatever speaks to you. You might even want to use color correspondences or seasonal elements to decorate your besom. Or you may choose to keep it simple with a, just a basic mini broom. It just all comes down to personal preference. And in the same vein as the ritual altar broom is the decorative cinnamon broom. And um, it must be said, the topic of brooms, I forgot to mention this, uh, was suggested by Kim. And she is a witchy as hell. This woman forages literal mushrooms and make mus- she makes mushroom soup and eats it. Like, that is some bold ass witchcraft. Anyway, so Kim is the reason that we're talking about broom magic. But the reason we're talking about it today is because it's cinnamon broom season. And that's when I kind of wanted to save this topic for now because I love cinnamon brooms so much. They're usually made of pine straw and then they're scented with cinnamon oil. So we get all of the protective qualities of pine and then we get all the qualities of luck and success and prosperity that cinnamon brings. These are not really functional brooms. They're generally hung on the wall or over the doorway to create a protective spiritual barrier, and they're frequently decorated in accordance with the seasons. Um, I have a little three-inch cinnamon broom that's hanging in my car as well as a larger one that we keep in the house. And these are so inexpensive, and they're really easy to find at Trader Joe's. Um, Home Depot will have them in the fall. Craft stores carry them. Like I said, they're in season now, so get one if you can. They're just kind of a simple way to bring that magic into the house, and I love lazy magic. Now, for some not-so-lazy magic, we can use our brooms for what they're (laughs) actually meant for. 
um, sweeping your house from back to front once a month or whenever you feel like there's unwanted negativity, stagnance, discord, laziness, um, bad luck, bad attitudes, etc. It's just a good way to maintain the spiritual hygiene of your home. Just get the broom out and start sweeping. Sweep that shit right out the front door. And there are a lot of good sweeping powders you can buy or make that can be customized for the kind of energy that you're hoping to remove and or to bring into your home. Um, and I guess we can expand there actually as a base for all sweeping powders, regardless of the intention. I like to start with baking soda. And it's inexpensive, it absorbs odors, um, it's safe to use on the floor. Um, and then I mix with that plain old salt. This is very purifying and it's also inexpensive and it discourages unwanted spiritual energy. So I like to start with two parts baking soda and one part salt. That's the base for every sweeping powder. And then from there we get to be creative. You know, if I want to invite more love into the home, I will add some dried rose petals. If I want to encourage harmony, I'll add some chamomile. To invite abundance, I'll add some pine. Uh, to invite money specifically, you will add some basil. For peace, add some sage. Um, rosemary for good luck. Time for a happy home. And we can mix and match any or all of these as we see fit. Stir them clockwise into the baking soda and salt mixture. Um, and just store your sweeping powder in a jar until you need it. And just shake a little on the floor of your home and allow it to sit for a while. Now how long it sits is up to you. There is no exact science to this. Just leave it for a bit while you take care of other chores. And then just sweep it up when you're ready. Or you can vacuum it too. Don't get too crazy and like coat every square inch of your floor with a quarter inch layer of baking soda and herbs. A light sprinkle is all that you need. Just sweep it up and throw it out. Now this will kill your grass, so don't sweep it out front onto the lawn. Now if you do want to sweep it out front, that's fine. Just skip the baking soda and skip the salt. Just sprinkle the herbs by themselves onto the floor let them sit, and then sweep it out the front. It's a fine way to do it. Um, I just tend to prefer the odor-absorbing properties of the baking soda, and I really like the purifying aspect of the salt. Now, another common use for brooms, a tradition, it's a tradition called jumping the broom, uh, which may or may not be a term that you're familiar with. Uh, jumping the broom is a practice that originated in pre-Christian Celtic Europe as a marriage rite. Now, once Christianity drove paganism underground, the practice came to mostly solemnize marriages between people whose weddings would not have been recognized as valid by either the church or under the law. And this included the Romani in Wales, um, Celtic Scots, and eventually jumping the broom even came all the way to the United States. There are some records of enslaved peoples in the antebellum South jumping the broom as a way to formalize their own folk marriages during a time when it was forbidden by law for enslaved peoples to enter into such contracts. And this connotation this idea that jumping the broom is a way for all kinds of marginalized peoples, the poor, 
religious minorities, racial or ethnic minorities, the oppressed, to jump the broom in front of witnesses as a way to validate their own vows and the law be damned, it's incredibly powerful and empowering. And this is a practice that you will frequently see at hand fasting ceremonies as well. It's really come back into fashion amongst pagans. And I think it's a really beautiful way to reclaim agency for a couple to say, you know, this marriage is not valid because the church says so, or because the law says so, but because we say so. And we don't really know the original significance of the practice, but historians tend to agree that because brooms were both inexpensive and intrinsically tied to the concept of a household, that it's just likely that new couples would have received a broom as a gift and the practice just sort of evolved from there. And it makes sense, you know, a broom is a household tool whose purpose is to keep order. It's meant to keep a home tidy, to sweep things out that are unwanted and that do not contribute to the comfort of its family. I love the symbolism of jumping the broom. Um, And, you know, I would, if I had to do it over again, absolutely have incorporated this practice into my own ceremony. Maybe we'll renew our vows. It's been 25 years. We're due. But it's just a beautiful and simple acknowledgement of what goes into making a marriage. It's about cleaning up after ourselves. It's about not allowing things to get dusty and to become disused. It's about calling in fresh energy and making sure that we remove all the detritus that can interfere with creating and maintaining a happy home and a harmonious life together. And the broom is the perfect symbol of that. And you can really see why they're such a staple in witchcraft because it's the doing of the work. It's the labor that goes into making things nice and keeping the home clean, both physically and spiritually whether you live alone or with a roommate or with a partner or with your family, this simple, common, unassuming, unsung household tool is a really important part of maintaining a magical life. So use your brooms well. We will speak again soon, and I hope you have a magical rest of your day. My name is Eli Rowe, and this has been the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. The content of this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, mental, or medical health care and diagnosis. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.